I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Well, in this episode of Newt's World, trailblazing TV journalist Bill O'Reilly is the best-selling author of the Killing series, and his latest book is Killing the Witches, the Horror of Salem, Massachusetts. Killing the Witches tells the dramatic history of how the Puritan tradition and the power of early American ministers shaped the origins of the United States, influencing the Founding Fathers, the American Revolution, and even the Constitutional Convention. The repercussions of Salem continue to the present day, notably in the real-life story behind The Exorcist and in contemporary witch hunts driven by social media. The result is a compulsively readable book about good, evil, community panic, and how fear can overcome fact and reason. Here to talk about his new book, I am very pleased to welcome back my guest, the one and only Bill O'Reilly. Bill, welcome, and thank you for joining me on Newt's World. Hey, listen, one of the highlights of my book cycle is talking to you, Mr. Speaker. We do this for almost every killing book. I really appreciate your generosity in having me in. Well, listen, right, when I can be associated with a bestseller on your scale, I am quite happy to invite you as often as you want to do another bestseller. But before we do that, you're also a great reporter. You have a remarkable knowledge of the world. What's your reaction to the recent push for a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. Anybody who calls for a ceasefire is basically saying Israel should surrender to the terrorists. So a couple of years ago, we talked about my book, Killing the Killers. I chronicled in that book how the United States won against al-Qaeda and ISIS by being patient and methodical and destroying the leadership and then extended that into Iran with the assassination of Soleimani, the head of the Republican guards there. So Israel is in a situation where if they were foolish enough to sign a ceasefire, which they will not at this point, 
they would A, be perceived as being weak, B, Hamas would remain intact with all its weaponry so they could do it again any other time they wanted to, no restraints on Hamas at all, and C, the people of Israel would rise up in rebellion against the Netanyahu government. Because, I mean, just as the United States, the American public would have done that if George W. Bush said, oh, well, we're not going to go after al-Qaeda and the jihadists. We're we're just going to let it go. No. I mean, we live in a world where retribution is part of the process of self-protection. So when I hear the word ceasefire, I know that the person saying the word is either disingenuous, there's a lot of that phony garbage, or stupid. And in either case, I don't engage. I'm curious, if you were in the Congress, what would your reaction be to Biden's proposal for both Ukraine, $61 billion, and $14 billion for Israel? Well, I would separate it out. I understand that the world is a dangerous place, and to allow people like Putin to go in and literally conquer free countries without any pushback is just inviting more disorder in the world. So you were making a stand in Ukraine. Not the best place to do that. Ukraine is a corrupt country, always has been. You know your history as well as anyone. It collaborated with the Nazis. This is not a good place, Ukraine. But now... They're fighting for their freedom, and I think America should help them. But it's got to be targeted help, pardon the pun. Got to have a mechanism to keep an eye on the hundreds of billions of dollars we're sending over there. And I don't think Biden is doing that at all. As far as Israel is concerned, it's a terror play, all right? There are two different situations. We're fighting worldwide terrorism in the Middle East, and we're fighting a brutal dictator, Putin, in Ukraine. And again, if you let them win, either one of them, then you invite more disorder into the world. What's your reaction to Mike Johnson finally becoming speaker after three weeks of chaos? Well, as you know, I'm not a Republican. I'm a registered independent. You know far more about the inner workings of the House than I do. But from an outsider's point of view, all I want as an American citizen, not a journalist or a historian now, just as an American citizen, is for Congress to try to solve some problems and make the lives of Americans better. Now, I don't care if it's Mike Johnson or it's McCarthy or it's Jordan. I don't care. I just want this ideology and political madness to stop. The danger that we face as Americans is we have one political party, the Democrats, that have moved so far left, and you see that in the reaction to the Middle East. The Democratic Party has moved so far left that if you are a person like I am that admires his country, that believes America is noble despite its flaws, you cannot support the Democratic Party. You can't. So in order to neutralize that far left movement, the Republican Party has got to win. It's like a sports. You've got to win. And you can't win when you have individuals like Matt Gates 
running around trying to acquire fame at the expense of order in his own party. And that's what happened. So I didn't think McCarthy did a bad job. I mean, I don't follow it day to day, but it seemed to me he was reasonable. It seemed to me that he was trying to get things done. And I hope Johnson follows that. We're really going to talk now about your book, but I have to start by just saying, this is your 13th book in the Killing series, all of them bestsellers. Are you a little surprised that this caught on as much as it did? More than a little. I remember my third grade teacher, Sister Lorana, going, William, are you ever going to read a book? And I said, well, you know, all these years later, Sister, I've sold more nonfiction books than anyone in history. All right. So, yeah, I finally got around to reading a book and now I'm writing them. And we are the most successful nonfiction book series of all time. So the formula is very simple. I know you're a very talented guy and I've always enjoyed working with you. But I find it amazing that you have built this audience that waits for the next killing book and where you're going to go and what you're going to cover. And it's a very diverse series. Sure. I can write about anything. So as you pointed out, this is the 13th killing book. And the reason I wanted to write about killing the witches is I think people should know the origins of their country on how the United States, which evolved into the United States, really began. So we put you on the Mayflower. It's the first chapter of killing the witches is the voyage over. And, you know, Americans go, oh, the pilgrims, the Mayflower past the stuffing. No. This was horrible, this voyage, 66 days. And then when the Puritans got here, it got worse. And that's what led to the fanaticism and the homicides, mass homicides in Salem. This punishing colony of Massachusetts Bay, where people were just battered by this irrational religious, everything was the devil. You're going to hell. You do this. We're going to hit you with a cane. Kids couldn't play. And it just mounted and mounted and mounted and then exploded into this execution frenzy. But the reason I really wrote the book, even though I thought that had to be on the record, was because the witch hunt is back in 2023 in the form of cancel culture. There's no difference between a 12-year-old girl in Salem in 1692 going, oh, that woman is a witch. She came and made me sign the devil's book. And the accusations today, mostly politically driven to try to destroy people. We don't hang them, but we destroy their lives. And we give, at the end of Killing the Witches, the modern-day witch hunt. Regular folks getting their lives destroyed because due process, and this is absolutely at the feet of the media, due process is gone. Was no due process in Salem. The accusation, you're guilty. Okay? Same thing now. So I tied it all in together, and that's what motivated me to write Killing the Witches. So from your perspective, this is really a book as much about today as it is about 17th century Massachusetts. Yes. The danger of the society that we live in now is being hidden. Once due process goes, hysteria takes over. And we're on the verge of that. Anybody listening to us, Mr. Speaker, now 
who has had to go into the court system in this country, whether it's criminal or civil, knows the justice system has fallen apart. Just on perjury alone, every lawyer in this country will tell you, it doesn't matter what you swear to, those people are going to get on a stand and lie their butt off. And even if it's exposed, no one will do anything about it. No one. So I wanted people to know the danger in play now, but I also wanted them to know how difficult it was to forge our Constitution that gives us the protection of presumption of innocence. That came directly from Salem. Because Benjamin Franklin was a young teenager in Boston and got on to this horror in Salem, actually visited the home of the chief witch hunter, Reverend Cotton Mather, who, by the way, his father was a witch hunter too. Increase Mather, the first president of Harvard. And believe me, I never let them forget that up there. I'm an alumni. Okay. So anyway, Benjamin Franklin was so appalled, so upset by what happened, he never lost that sensibility. And then when the Constitution was debated in Philadelphia, when Franklin was the most famous and powerful American, Franklin told Madison and Jefferson, we're not having any religion in this Constitution. None. Because Patrick Henry, the governor of Virginia, wanted in writing to define the new United States as a Christian nation. So did Roger Sherman in Connecticut. But they lost the brawl, and that's part of killing the witches too, because of Salem. Now I ask you, Mr. Speaker, how many people know that? From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., that's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. 
LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Why was Salem such a center of hostility and oppression? Well, when they first got here, a hundred Puritans who were booted out of England, King James didn't want any part of them, all right? When they first got here, they landed in Cape Cod, and they were supposed to land in Virginia. But, you know, their GPS, I guess, malfunctioned, so they show up in Massachusetts. And the people who ran the original colony were so harsh that it fractured quickly. Roger Williams took his crew to Providence. They were the liberal wing of the Puritans. And the real hardcore moved to Salem. There was no Boston. And they did so because the land was there, and they took the land, and they could farm it. I mean, Native Americans owned it, but the Europeans had cannons, and they had guns, so they could just take what they wanted. Anyway, Salem became a just ultra fanatical place. You had to go to church four hours on Wednesday, four hours on Sunday. They were literalists. You couldn't have a Christmas celebration or an Easter celebration because it wasn't in the Bible. As I said, kids weren't allowed to play. It was insane. And it finally blew. And the little girls lighted the fuse. They were the accusers. Little girls. Do we know why they did it? Because they were so frustrated and so angry that they had to live this way. They were looking for an outlet, and the outlet arrived in the form of a slave from Barbados named Tituba, who one of the top ministers of Salem hired to mind his children. She was like, a nanny. Tituba told the children about all the legends of witchcraft and devil war and voodoo and all of this stuff. And this excited the children. And then they decided to use this in a, you know, emotional, crazy way to take revenge on adults they didn't like. They know that they're simply Developing a game with horrible outcomes? Or do you think they genuinely believe they were witches? It's hard to say. The girls themselves were so young and so screwed up emotionally that it's hard to say what they knew and what they didn't know. This book was easy for Martin Dugard and I to research because every word of the girls' testimony and everybody else's testimony in the courtroom in Salem was written down. And those transcripts are in New England museums and in colleges. And we got them all. But we didn't have to. It wasn't like Arthur Miller and the Crucible, where Miller kind of took a little flight here. Like, we didn't have to take any flights. It was all this. And what they say, these are adults, ministers and judges. And there was an economic component. 
If you were convicted of being a witch, then you forfeited all your land and assets, and it was divided up among the clergy and the judges. So they got wealthy doing this, in addition to having more power over the population. The final point I want to make is there were good people in Salem, just as there are good people in America now. But if you objected to this witch hunt, the next day you were accused of being a witch. And the only reason it ended was because the loons in Salem accused the governor's wife of being a witch, Mary Phipps. And William Phipps, the governor of Massachusetts Bay, was up in Maine fighting the Native Americans. He came back and they said, oh, Mr. Governor, your wife is under arrest for being a witch. (laughs) So he said, enough. Phipps should have done it a long time ago. He knew what was going on. And the militia just went in and said, that's it. We're not going to do any more of this stuff. But in the meantime, 20 human beings are dead. Hundreds, Mr. Speaker, are in jail, many of whom died in those jails. And this is just in a 18-month period, 1692-93. That's just astonishing. So it's kind of like a mass madness. Yes, mass hysteria. And, you know, today, those of us who fight against the cancel culture, I'm one of them, The cancel culture then tries harder to cancel you. They come after you harder. And the cancel culture, just so your listeners understand, was developed about 10 years ago by the progressive left off Saul Alinsky, who his book, Rules for Radicals, is the progressive left Bible. And in that book, it says you have to destroy your opposition. And accusations are a good way to do it. Doesn't matter if they're true. You just repeat them over and over and over and over. And with the rise of smartphones and the Internet, that's simple to do now. And the big newspapers, the New York Times, Washington Post, their progressive operations, they take this and run with it. And so does television news. So anybody accused of anything, automatically they're guilty. And that's the cancel culture. That's the hysteria we have today, which is very similar to what was happening in 1692 in Salem, Massachusetts. There's one particular slave who really dramatically expands the sense of an epidemic of witches. Can you walk through that? It's utterly fascinating, and you do such an amazing job of describing it. Yes. As we mentioned, the woman's name was Tituba, and she was bought by a Puritan minister and moved from the island of Barbados to Massachusetts. That was common in the 17th century, so that people in the New World would go to the Caribbean and buy slaves. And there was, you know, a regular trade between the Caribbean and North America. And a whole bunch of goods changed hands and human beings changed hands. So Tituba shows up. And she has a common law husband, and they are very steeped in the African religions that devils are around, witches are around, they are active, they can hurt you. And she brings all this lore to Salem and passes it on to the children. And, you know, it's Halloween time now. Children love this stuff. They love it. I couldn't get enough of these tales. And then the kids take that and start to say, oh, this person's a witch in Salem. And that person did this to me. And 
she did that and she's pinching me now. And then the adults who should have said, hey, this is insane, didn't. They used that to execute 20 people. It's simply astounding that it could happen. But when you think about Europe, where thousands of witches were burned, Joan of Arc being the biggest name of that, under the religious wars there, it was heresy to be a witch. In Europe, they burned heretics. In England, witchcraft was a crime against the crown. And the king said, no, we're not burning, we're hanging. That's why no witches were ever burned in the New World. And it wasn't just in Salem. Connecticut executed a whole bunch of witches and other places around the country as well. It didn't extend into the South, am I right? Not so much, because there weren't cities in the South. It was all plantation economy. It wasn't until later that Charleston and Savannah and these ports, you know, became centers. In the late 17th century, the South was almost totally agrarian. So you didn't have the bunch of people clustered. And therefore, it didn't become an issue there at all. So what you have in New England is this very intense, almost epidemic of mental, I would say, mental illness. You bet. And here's another interesting factoid. It did not spread to New York because New York was under the Dutch culture. And the Dutch were not religious. All right. And so New York became a haven for people fleeing the accusations of witchcraft. A lot of the people who were accused got away because they got tipped off. They're coming for you. So they got on their horse or whatever, and they rode to New York, where for a fee, they were protected. And so it ended in Connecticut, as far as New England was concerned. And New England was really a hotbed of Puritan religion, a very oppressive religion, where in the rest of the New World, that did not take deep root. One of the things that makes me happy about Killing the Witches, getting it published, is if you now start at Killing the Witches and read all of the killing books, all 13, you will know pretty much everything about your country. We go to the Revolutionary War with Killing England, we go to the Civil War with Killing Lincoln, and on and on and on and right up to the present day. And my next book, which will be out next September, will be on all of the presidents, all of them who they really were to prepare for the run-up for the 24 election. Wow, that's quite a project. You bet. We're up to Chester Arthur right now. And you will not believe, because I know you're a historian, what we found out about all these guys. I'll just give you one taste. George Washington did not like his mother, and his mother hated him. Did you know that? No. Oh, boy. Where do you read this? That's the kind of a book it is. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You always do an amazing level of research. I have to say, you're a great storyteller. You bring together facts that nobody else has developed. I learned so much that I never knew before I read your book, and I'm really impressed with just the quality of the research that you do. Well, it's our mandate. I mean, I'm a former high school history teacher with a degree in history, and it's fun for me to uncover things. And the most I learned a tremendous amount researching and writing these books. And the most important thing I learned was about Benjamin Franklin. I never knew that this witch hunt had such an effect on him. And then we, in Killing the Witches, we pick him up when he moves to Philadelphia, how he gets there, how he establishes his power base, how he gets involved with the freedom movement, and then comes back as an elder statesman who really presided over our constitutional convention debate. And he brought in this, not anti-religion, but you are not going to impose religion in the new country. And Patrick Henry, the give me liberty or give me death guy, he wanted that. He wanted the new country to be defined as a Christian nation. So money, tax money could go to the Christian churches. That's why Henry wanted it. And Franklin battled him hand to hand in Philly. So much so that Henry got so mad, he left. He didn't participate in the final forging of the Constitution. You really see part of our passion for religious liberty as a response to the horrors of the Salem witchcraft trials. There's no doubt. And nobody knows that. And I didn't know it before we started to research the book. I didn't see the link. But once we found out that Benjamin Franklin walked into Cotton Mather's house and we had that conversation because Franklin wrote it down. There's this older guy, most powerful guy in New England, Cotton Mather, talking to this kid about this executions of the witches. And Franklin was just like, what are you doing? 
and he never forgot it. And that changed the way we live today in profound ways. And the other point you make, which is so central to what we're living through now, is that coming out of this, the notion of due process and of being innocent until proven guilty, which is the opposite of where the British at that time said you're guilty until proven innocent. These notions of protecting us as individuals from the power of the state really, in a sense, come right out of the Salem witchcraft trials and the experience of looking back and thinking how horrible it was. Yeah, there was a duality about the Salem witch trials and the oppression of the king, because the new settlers in Massachusetts and Virginia, the two most powerful centers of the new world, they just rebelled against this the kings of England telling them what to do and taking their money and their stuff. And that was a big part of the due process, because in England, there was no due process. Whatever the king said was it. That was it. You don't have an appeal, you know what I mean? They had a few little cosmetic things, but everybody knew. King says this, that's what's going to happen. So that had a lot to do with our due process system. But it angers me, literally angers me, to see now the totalitarian left try to destroy that. They don't respect that. And, you know, I'm going to write a book, if I last that long on a planet, about I did write Culture Warrior way back in the early 2000s. But I got to update that book because now it's really insane. What's going on on college campuses, what's going on in the progressive movement, the George Soros stuff, all of that is so dangerous. And most Americans are asleep. They don't know. When I think about what's going on, that we've had this, as you put it, I agree entirely, you have this creeping totalitarian attitude that has just been startling. Most Americans believe that they are free. And to some extent, that's true. So if you want to move from California to Arizona, you can move. All right. If you want to paint your house green, you can do that. Unless there's a strict code in where you live. We have surface freedoms, but the real important freedoms are being eroded and very quickly. And part of it is income redistribution, and that's a profound progressive tenet where private property is no longer sacrosanct. I mean, when you took over as Speaker of the House, did you ever think you were going to see an entire party say we need a wealth tax? We need to seize private property. Did you ever think you were going to see that? No, I didn't think I was ever going to see a party that had a pro-terrorist faction that openly and publicly supports the terrorists. Let me make this. That's what happened in Salem. This hysteria that Hamas is entitled to murder women and children because they have a grievance is the same hysteria that you saw in Salem on the witches. Because the devil was hurting people, so we have to execute the people who are helping the devil. Now, these people on the college campuses and all, and, you know, hardcore, I don't think there are that many of them, by the way. Polls show about 70% of Americans support Israel. But they say, oh, Israel is an oppressive nation, so Hamas can go in there and kill babies 
as long as they're Jewish, it's okay. I mean, what? This is the kind of madness, right? It's madness. And there are real threats to Jews in America from some of these pro-terrorist groups. I mean, the other day, a group of Jewish students literally barricaded themselves in a library because the pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist people were threatening them. And of course, the current administration does nothing to apply hate laws to these kind of actions. Well, I was Cooper Union in New York City, and New York City is the nexus of the progressive movement. This is where it is. But President Biden, see, I don't know whether he's just so delusional at this point in his life. I think he might be. He's incapable now of understanding really what's happening. And his staff that runs him, including his wife, Jill, they're basically telling him, don't alienate the money guys. You look who's financing Biden's reelection campaign. It's Soros, Loreen Powell, Steve Jobs' widow. Jeffrey Katzenberg is the head of it. These are billionaire people who are the stalwarts of the progressive movement. Joe Biden is never going to go against that movement. And one of the tenets of progressives is Israel's a fascist country and it deserves what it gets. Well, listen, it is so much fun to talk with you. I want to thank you for joining me. As always, it's a fascinating conversation with you. Your new book, Killing the Witches, The Horror of Salem, Massachusetts, is a great read and it's very relevant to today. I encourage all of our listeners to get a copy and we look forward to continue watching you on No Spin News, which you can find at BillOReilly.com. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. It's always fun. I hope to see you soon. Thank you to my guest, Bill O'Reilly. You can get a link to buy his new book, Killing the Witches, The Horror of Salem, Massachusetts, on our show page at NewtsWorld.com. NewtsWorld is produced by Gingrich360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.